Hey everyone, it's Sharon here. Thank you for listening and I just wanted to let you know that uh, this first episode was not recorded in a studio, so I do apologize for the audio quality. The rest of the episodes will be recorded in a studio and will sound much better. Please don't let the audio quality deter you from listening to further episodes and I just want to thank you all so much for even downloading and listening to this episode in the first place. Bye. Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hi, and welcome to Whores Talk Whore. I'm Sharon. I'm Melinda. And today we are going to be talking about some of the uh, summer horror movies that are um, either out in theaters now or coming into theaters soon. Uh, But first, we want to uh, do a ghost story, and this is um, from Mindy's childhood. It's a story that she's told me many, many times, and every time I hear this story, I still get creeped out. So, Mindy, would you like to share? I have not shared this with you, but I'm calling this Grandma E's Final Lesson. Hmm. I like like the name. I think, yes, that's appropriate. But um, So this happened when I was in junior high-ish age, so like 13, 14 years old. The house that this happened in, a lot of weird things happened, but um, that's a story for another day. And this is probably the most notable thing that happened. Um, My grandmother was lovely, um, and I credit all of any sort of strength I have from to like I credit her with that but she was very opinionated as a person she met well but she always made her opinion heard um case in point uh I was at that age where I was starting to stay home by myself more often um the house we lived in when you'd walk up to the front door there was a window right next to the front door and my grandmother would always always comment on how if a stranger walked up to the front door and I was home alone and they were stand- the stranger was standing on the porch, they'd be able to look through this window, see directly into my bedroom and see me, which of course would be dangerous for like a junior high kid. And I kind of thought that there was nothing much to it. There wasn't a curtain in the window, but we just, I, the distance, we, my parents and I for some reason just kind of blew it off and just said, yeah, okay, thanks. But we didn't really do much about it. So, um, my grandmother, eventually she did pass from stomach cancer, but she was, the last night she was around, she was in the hospital, things were pretty grave, and so my dad went to join my grandfather at the hospital, leaving my mom and I home alone, um, where we were watching a scary movie with Judd Nelson, where he would call people to see if they were home or not, and then come and kill them. So, um... Just to set the scene a little bit. There's my mom and I watching a scary movie. My dad leaves us home alone. Awesome. Um, So after the movie was over, I went to go listen to CDs in my room. My mom went to the kitchen, which was on the other side of our house, to do dishes. And around 9.30 at night, the doorbell rang. I opened my bedroom door, looked out towards the front door, and saw a man... who I didn't recognize, standing on the front porch, looking through the curtainless window directly at me. Just like my grandmother said, my mom came out from the kitchen and asked who it was. I said I I, I had no idea. When she opened the door, he didn't see her coming, so he kind of had a start to him. But uh, she said that he was very clean cut. He was dressed all in black. 
she thought that it was odd if he was coming to like try and rape us or something like that because he had a gold cross earring in his ear and she kept seeing the light catch it and she remembered thinking that's very distinct like if you're gonna rob us or hurt us why would you wear something like that that's stupid for a robber to do <laughs> like literally that's what she thought um, he was asking for directions. He was like, oh, can you tell me how to get to? And it was a directions for somewhere that was way farther north than our house. We looked out. There was no car in sight. There was nobody driving him. And we didn't live close to, like, major public transportation. And, again, it was, like, 930 at night on, like, a Sunday. So we thought that was odd. Um, my mom said, I'm sorry. Like, you're really far away from where you need to be. And he looked at her and he said... Well, I guess I made a big mistake then, didn't I? And she said, yes, you did. And she slammed the door. Um, we watched him walk up and down the side streets because we were on a corner. So we saw him walk up and down a few side streets. Again, no car around, nobody giving him a lift, nothing. We called the cops. They did a pretty exhaustive search around our neighborhood. Never found the guy at all. Um, we learned later, well, actually the next day, really, that around the time that that happened was around the time that my grandmother passed away. We got, we learned our lesson. Thank you, grandma. We heard you loud and clear. Um, the next day we did definitely hang a curtain in that window. It matched nothing that was already hanging in our living room at all, but it was a curtain that blocked view from that window. And so, uh, I mean, my grandmother was awesome, but I could just see her being like, I told you to do something about that. Now I'm gonna teach you the hard way. And she did. Message received. Thank you. Did you actually, you saw this guy. What, yes. What did he look like? Literally nondescript. Like, uh, just very clean cut, like, kind of like dark curly hair, sort of an outline of a beard, but like well, like trimmed and shaved, like not, like kind of generic, really, honestly. So he didn't look like... A child molester no. or, or a serial killer. No. like, or... And that's what my mom said she kept thinking, too. Like, he looks so normal and so nondescript, except for that gold cross earring. And what did your dad say when he heard the story? Well, I don't really remember too much now because he was so focused on, like, helping my grandfather and, like, dealing with funeral arrangements and stuff. But uh-huh. he just thought it was weird and was like, well, what, what curtains do we have to hang in that window? <laughs> Um, but we also kind of thought it was funny just because it was very char- characteristic of my grandmother to be like, you didn't put a curtain up. I told you to do that. Now I'm going to, sh- I'm going to teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. And well, she did, good, man. Well, that's a good story. Yeah. And if anyone else has any, uh, stories like that, you know, where, uh, loved ones have sent messengers of death or... <laughs> Or hope, or, um, you know. Or humor. Humor, or, yeah, grandma's trying to scare the shit out of you. Or as my grandmother said to her sister, when you come back, if there's life after death, come back and say hello. How are you? I hope you are well. Don't come back and be like, boogity, 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 boogity. (laughs) But if you had a relative that did that, we totally want to hear about it. Yes. (laughs) All right, well, thank you so much. And so now we are going to talk about our summer horror movies um there's actually a ton of movies coming out this summer so i i had to narrow it down uh i think i think all these are 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 pretty good though um that's promising and we've only actually seen two um so we will talk about the ones we have not seen first and uh then we're 
kind of go into more of a discussion about um, Midsummer and Annabelle, which we actually we both saw Midsummer. I saw Annabelle. Um, Annabelle comes home. Um, but we'll go into a little bit of a discussion about those. So the first movie. The Dead Don't Die from I'm, director Jim Jarmusch. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Totally I'm in. in. He's my fave. One of my faves. He directed Dead Man, Ghost Dog. Oh my god, Mystery Chain. And um, oh my god, yeah. A lot, a lot of really good movies that you should check out if you've never seen them. But this is a zombie movie. It looks super unique. Uh, looks really fucking funny. The cast is amazing. I mean, the it has, has really great casts, but this is pretty Adam Driver, out B- there, Bill Murray, Tom Waits, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Steve Buscemi, Riza, Rosie Perez, Carol Kane, Tilda Swinton, and many, many others. I'm really so excited. I think I've seen every single thing he's done, and I, I, I adore him. Um, and so, yeah, my expectations could not be higher. Although some of the reviews I read are not great, but fuck reviews. I don't really care. Yeah. Because I think it looks awesome. I do too. And I will probably enjoy it. At the very least, even if it's not great, it'll be a lot of fucking fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so next we have Child's Play, which I had no idea that Mark Hamill yeah. was Chucky. And fucking Mark Hamill is amazing. I think he, he, yeah, he has fully embraced how awesome he is and, like... He's just, I'm sure he had a good laugh over the idea of being Chucky's voice and just had fun with it. And I will still uh, wait for video, probably, but I will absolutely seek this out because I think I'm sure it's going to be fun. And Aubrey Plaza is in it. Oh she, my gosh, yes. I love her. Parks and Rec. Well, but she's Legion, amazing. She's she hilarious. Owns that show. Yeah. yeah if you if if you're not convinced, check her out there. But yeah, but her too. She, I think they. She and Mark Hamill will probably be like, you know, what, this is going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I hope they got paid well, which I'm sure they did. Because I saw her, she was on Colbert, and she was talking about it, and he was asking her if she even likes horror movies, and she's like, no, no, not really. So it's kind of interesting. Maybe she just signed up because Mark Hamill is in it. And- well, on Legion, she basically plays a walking horror movie, which is interesting that she doesn't like them because she's very good at them. She's very good at them. But she's, um, I mean, her wow, character. I didn't know that. Her character is also, like, pretty... Like, every character she plays is kind of, like, a little dark and creepy, so she's just got, like, that... April Ludgate. Yeah. She just has that vibe about her. Um, Do you want to read the next movie? You mean my by girlfriend, Jennifer Kent, um, who I also love. Uh, Jennifer Kent, of course, directed The Babadook that came out a few years ago. The Nightingale, which I didn't even know this was happening until Sharon put this on this list. Apparently, it uh, takes place in 1825 and is a revenge story about a young female Irish convict looking to avenge her murdered family. Oh my god, I can't wait. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty gory and it's coming out early August, August 2nd. It's supposed to come out August 2nd. Oh my gosh, I love Jennifer Kent so much. I loved The Babadook to bits and pieces. And I wanted to write her a fan letter and be like, if you ever need help making anything happen, I will help you in any way that I can. So, yeah, I'm totally psyched about The Nightingale. And I I watched the trailer for this one, and it looks so different than The Babadook. I think it's great that she's able to make a movie that just seems like a complete... It's like a completely different horror genre for her. Like, you you would see a trailer for this, you would have no idea that this was by the same woman who did The Babadook. Um, it looks beautiful, kind of, kind of like the witch. Yeah. Like in that, in that way. The where, witch. 
The what? The Vivitch. The Vivitch. <laughs> uh, it looks, yeah, it's it's more like that, where it's kind of like a, a beautiful, maybe like haunting horror movie. You're not going to yeah. have jump scares like in the Babadook or anything like that. Um, and I'm guessing the gore is slightly uh, realistic gore and not um, your typical horror movie like Bloodfest gore. Uh, but I have no idea. Yeah. I, I honestly, until I was uh, researching summer horror movies, did not ever hear of this movie either. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm pr- yeah, I'm excited about it too. <laughs> so the next movie um, is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. The screenplay is by Guillermo del Toro, who's if you don't know who that is, you should then probably stop listening. Stop listening to this podcast right now and go out. <laughs> And rent Pan's Labyrinth. Just Google them and then and rent everything. also... What? We have another movie by him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Come gosh. Come on, Mindy. Hell, well, Hellboy is his most commercial, but Pan's yeah, Labyrinth but is my very favorite. Um, but The Devil's... Uh, not The Devil's Rejects. I know. I can't think of it. Uh, like, the... Don't tell me. Now it's going to bug me. Spencer! Who has a Googling machine? Oh, yeah. Spencer is our um, producer... Slash my husband. <laughs> slash engineer. Slash Sherpa. <laughs> but it's a really good one, too. It's like one of my favorites. Why can I not think of the name of this movie right now? Devil? What? The Devil's Backbone. Yes! Thank you. Thank the you, Devil's thank Backbone. You, thank you. Devil's Backbone. For such a good movie, I totally forgot that title. Okay, we can't edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that is actually a really one, a good one to check out of his. But he's a genius. Is the is the long and short of it. But he did the screenplay. He did not direct the movie. But it looks so good. But it looks like it looks like a typical Guillermo del Toro film. With it the looks like I'm gonna poop myself when I see <laughs> it because some of the scenes look really scary. And um. I don't know if these books are still popular, but so this is based on scary stories to tell in the dark, which are books that are written by Elvin Schwartz. Um, And we actually just bought some of these from uh, a used bookstore by our house for our niece because she's really, really interested in um, hearing scary stories, even though like you tell them to her and she gets really scared. She, I don't know. We thought it'd be a good idea to get her these books. I don't think she's read them yet because I think she's too scared, but I was reading them in the car when we picked them up and we were on our way to give them to her. And I was like, wow, these are like so not scary we, at all. We had them though when we were little. We and had they all were of them. scary to us. To us as like eight year olds. But like, this movie looks like a thousand times scarier than that. And the characters in the movie look exactly like the creepy ass drawings from the book. Like, I think, honestly, yes. those drawings are the scariest part of the book. Oh, I forgot. Yes. So I can't wait for this movie. I'm really excited. Super, super excited for Ooh, this movie. Oh, and right around my birthday it comes out. Hey. Well, you will go for your birthday. Fuck yeah. And... It, Chapter 2, which is obviously the sequel to the uh, 2017 remake of, well... I guess remake of the TV show slash or miniseries slash new movie version of the book. I'm kind of lost where well, we it's are, a but twenty seven. It's, the, oh, it's yeah. the follow up to the the 2017 movie. Um, so all the kids are grown up, and those grown ups are now Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, Bill Sarsgaard is back as Pennywise, and I just right quick want to say that like. 
I think Bill Sarsgaard's awesome. Not specifically for it necessarily, but like and every other thing I've seen him in. Are you I saying think Sarsgaard or Scarsgaard? Probably saying it wrong, most <laughs> likely, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, the miniseries, like the movie overall, I I I, I agree was better. The miniseries was scary as fuck when we were kids, though. Well, but a lot of that, Tim Curry. Well. Tim Curry, definitely, he was the best thing about the miniseries. And that's what I liked about the first part of the new movie, is that, like, obviously that new, they did not try to replicate his performance. Like, he did his own thing. And he was scary, I thought. The new Pennywise was very scary, Mm -hmm. but he was just very different. And I appreciated that. But um, looking back now, I feel like if I were to watch the miniseries, Tim Curry would be the only thing that would scare me. Whereas the movie... I liked a lot of the movie, but it was kind of like, let's take everything James Wan's done over the past few years, like, make it better, and polished, and there we go. And I actually did rewatch the miniseries two Halloweens ago, and it did not hold up at all. I mean, it was like, it was really bad. Tim Curry was definitely the best part of it. And that opening scene with the laundry on the line where he, you see him between the laundry that, and then it flashes really quick and he has that like evil fit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but the rest of it though, Yeah. unless unless they had like the, the close-ups of him with the teeth, you know, the sharp pointy teeth, he just looked like a silly clown. Whereas like Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, I mean he's just scary as fuck just looking at him. His, his outfit's completely different. They made him look like uh, this, like, Victorian-looking clown suit that he's wearing. Yeah. Which is so out of place for when the movie's supposed to take place. Like, it's just... He's very, like, scary without even saying anything. Tim Curry made the character scary. Otherwise, he just looked kind of like your normal, like, birthday clown. Which is what I liked. Because Tim Curry looked normal-ish. But there was something off, and then he would make that one face, and it would just be terrifying. I liked that mm-hmm. little bit offness of him, whereas, like, with the new movie, like, it was very, you're right, like, it was very clear as soon as you saw Pennywise that, like, okay, this is not right. Yeah. Um, He's definitely a But it definitely was well done, and like I said, like, I like that they didn't try to over- outdo, like, Tim Curry's performance, or... Oh, yeah. I, and it was... It made it quite effective. I honestly, the opening scene of that movie cracked, not cracked me up, but it's so, like, childish, like, big child fear where, like, the little kid goes in the basement and you just see the eyes out of the corner. Like, how many times have you been afraid of something like that? Like, when you're little, like, ugh. All the time. My basement was super creepy where I grew up. But, yeah, I actually think um, It Chapter 2 looks better than the... Um, yeah, I'm psyched. The first part About the, the cast, though, for sure. Like, I like me some Jessica Chastain. She's amazing. Um, so, all right. So then, next we have Three from Hell, which is the new Rob Zombie movie. I'm going to sit back and drink some wine and let's share and do a little talking. <laughs> um, so, this is actually um, the third movie in uh, what I guess is now a trilogy, um, House of Thousand Corpses, and then Devil's Rejects, um, which was the second movie. And then this movie is being released almost 15 years after The Devil's Rejects, which I can't even believe it's been that long that that movie was made because it does not seem that long at all. Um, And according to the AV Club, 
the movie is going to be released in nearly 900 select movie theaters on September 16th, 17th, and 18th. And apparently that's it. There's no other release dates that are known right now. And it's just those three nights. And each night is going to feature some kind of exclusive bonus feature that will not be included on the other nights. So on September 16th, there will be a video intro from Rob Zombie. And also the first 50 attendees at each theater will get a special poster. Uh, not sure if those are going to be autographed or not. I'm assuming no. Um, on the 17th, there will be a nearly 30-minute behind-the-scenes look at the making of the film. And on the 18th, it's going to be a double feature with Three from Hell and The Devil's Rejects. And the version of Three from Hell being screened on these three dates will also be unrated, which means it might have a little more gratuitous gore and violence um, that would um, than otherwise would be allowed. And if you want any more information on this or to get tickets, those will be available at the Phantom website later this month. Uh, so make sure to check that frequently for possible early ticket sales. Not sure when they're going on sale, maybe soon. Um, and they're probably gonna go really, really fast if uh, this is such a limited event. And uh, here's a little quote from Rob Zombie. Uh, this event is a long time coming, says Zombie. The journey of these characters has always been special to me, and I am thrilled to finally let the fans experience the next episode of the Firefly Madness. This project was a true labor of love for everyone involved, and we know we have created something amazing for the loyal followers of these films. Let the insanity begin. Mindy, I'm so fucking excited about this, and if we don't get tickets, I'm going to be really fucking upset because, as you know, House of a Thousand Corpses is one of my all-time favorite movies. I used to watch that movie every night to actually help me fall asleep. <laughs> Not sure why, but, like, that movie just, like, calmed me and relaxed me, and, like, I would put it on, and... Uh, about 30 minutes into the movie when the um, Firefly flame family were like pulling pulling them all out of the car and like jumping on the hood and <laughs> <laughs> like I would be like fast asleep and Devil's Rejects which I think is an actually better movie than House of Thousand Corpses um yeah those movies just have like a super special place in my heart so I'm excited for this yeah I Devil's Reject is very, very much a different movie, obviously, than House of so the Corpses. I, I am not, I don't know that I would say I'm a Rob Zombie fan, but um, I have a friend who said that, um, while I'm not a fan, I appreciate and I'm glad that he exists, and that's very much how I feel, like, because whether you like Rob Zombie or not, he's doing something original, he's bringing a new voice to... Or sometimes a retro voice a back to horror movies um, in a way that no one really that I can think of is doing, at least successfully. Like, people try, but it's usually just... Ty West does a good job. Well, but Ty West is a little... A little di yeah, we'll, oh, yeah, we'll talk about Ty West some yes. other time. If but you don't he, know who Ty West is, check my, out The Innkeepers and the House, of the... House of the Devil. But he's not... I mean, he's kind of on a different level, whereas, like, Rob Zombie is obviously way more gory and 
and flashy, but House of a Thousand Corpses is just such an interesting movie on so many levels that it's like, I'm just glad that like for the 15 million human centipede remakes there's out, out that exist out there that like Rob Zombie also exists to like counteract that kind of thing because like him like I said like him or not he's definitely got a very interesting imagination and that's what I that was what always strikes me every time I watch House of a Thousand Corpses is that it is so fucking imaginative like even horrifyingly imaginative it is so imagine it is amazing and clearly inspired by retro influences and that is so yeah so I'm and I'm also kind of curious to see where these what how this is gonna happen because I remember how uh the second movie ended um uh, yeah the devil's rejects and I'm kind of I mean are they literally coming back from hell That'd be cool. were, were they dead did the devil send them back up on earth to I have no idea because I never thought there would be a third part to this. I was like, okay, if this is how it's going to end, if it's going to yeah. end, with, and I can still to this day not hear the song Freebird without <laughs> thinking of that last scene. And it's that last scene is just so fucking amazing. I just, I, I fucking love it. You just, you leave with like this kind of like high after watching that movie. Um,. So, yeah, so I'm actually going to probably be checking soon to make sure um, I don't miss ticket sales. Yeah, that would be really interesting to see in the theater. Tickets go on sale July 19th. July 19th. Boom! Put it in your calendars. All right, and do you want to talk about um, Midsummer? So this is uh, the first movie that we've seen out of all of these that we've named so far. Oh, Sharon did a cool little... I just want to read Sharon's little synopsis from before we saw the movie. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about Midsommar, or Midsommar, the way it's spelled. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's how they say it in Swedish. Midsommar. <laughs> um, uh, but it's directed by Ari Aster, who um, many of you probably will recognize that name, because he his very first movie ever that he did was Hereditary. Um, which I thought was fantastic. So, uh, we heard he had another movie coming out. We're like, sweet. Sharon's synopsis is, it's about a couple who travels to a small rural town in Sweden on a once in a lifetime trip that they, and they participate in a midsummer festival. They drink some kind of Kool-Aid that messes with their perception of time and reality and they become a target of a sinister pagan cult. And that is basically the general gist of it on a quick overview level but um I've... oh wait was this probably where we should say um oh yeah spoiler alert in case you haven't <laughs> guessed we're gonna talk about it so although to be fair i honestly don't even feel qualified to talk about this movie because we just saw it and i'm still registering in my mind everything that we saw but um Ari aster is my new boyfriend uh ty west you've had your your moment i need some more work from you buddy come at me bro um, but for real, I, this is this man's second movie ever, and I, it's astounding. I mean, part of why I have a hard time talking about it is because I'm still haunted by it. Um, he's, like, the new master, in my opinion, of psychological horror, um, and is a bold, bold new voice among the horror genre, I think. Um, and again, holy shit, this is his second movie ever. <laughs> um, he's referred to this film... As his breakup movie, uh, he wrote it while going through a breakup, and um, 
like Sharon said, spoiler alert, there's some infidelity issues that arise throughout the... the I'm, I'm trying to be general, but also, like, talk enough about it. But um, that's all he'll say about it, is that it's his pretty good movie, which I think is hilarious. But I... He is a cinematic eye that I think we saw a lot of, obviously, in Hereditary, especially with Tony Collette's, like, one of the most memorable breakdowns, like, in the history of anything, in my opinion. I fucking love that scene with her. But, I, I mean, mean... Well, if you haven't seen Hereditary... Um, spoiler yeah, alert, too. You, you don't know what scene we're talking about. If you have seen Hereditary, you know what fucking scene we're talking about. <laughs> and so, I think Astor, for one thing... Obviously, he has an eye. Like, you could even watch Midsummer on mute, I feel like. And it's so beautiful. I don't know, because you know what? The, the sound, the, the things he does with sound is so unnerving. I mean, yes, it's gorgeous just to look at, but it's the sound that makes it so fucking scary when nothing's happening. Well, what I, I was going to get to that, too, because he, he, he draws out the tension it's literally the whole movie that, like, he slowly is drawing out this tension in this li- these little ways, visually and uh, orally, that, like, you you don't necessarily even understand until it all comes together. Like You kind of feel like you're, you're high a growing, or you're tripping. feeling, kind of, yeah. yeah. But um, basically, like, for instance, visually, you're going about... This, the, the camera is, is spanning or this beautiful scene people are dancing or working and then there's a bear in a cage why okay <laughs> and then with the soundtrack like Sharon was saying he sort of mimics that sort of idea so um it, it it's like a two hour long and I, I remember being like oh my god this is gonna be two hours two and a half hours it went by so fast though and you kind of didn't want it to end and it's such a slow build tension that like I actually kind of laughed at the very last moment yeah. because there there like, character-wise, there was a release, but there was almost, like, this release that you feel at the end of it. Um, I feel like this movie, to me, speaks more... Um, anybody who knows who... Uh, Shane Carruth, who... Uh, he did Primer and, of course, um, Upstream Color. Uh, if you've not seen any of those movies, I recommend those. They're more sci-fi than, than scary, but... Um, Shane Carruth is another independent filmmaker who uh, does the same kind of thing, especially with his movie Upstream Color, where it visually and, and like, orally, it's a more of a, a movie that you experience. Did you say orally? Orally. I can't say that oh. very well. <laughs> orally. Or orally, depending orally. on how you're watching it and who you're watching it with. <laughs> but I feel like it's a movie that you experience emotionally more so than, like, Mm-hmm. Sitting back and like watching this play out, I don't know how to describe it better than that. Yeah, if you're but, like it's like this movie. Well, sorry, Spencer. For if watching. you're looking for jump scares, if you're looking for a ton of gore, you'll probably be disappointed with this movie. Midsummer's not that movie, but although it, there's the there is gore, there is and gore. When it's, used, it's used effectively. They oh my god, yeah. We we'll put it that way. They they have a little bit of gore, and they they just save it for this one scene that. God damn, it does not. And it's you, fuck, It's brutal. Yes. It's fucking brutal. But this movie, it, I mean, this movie will haunt. It, it still haunts me. I, I've literally not been able to stop thinking of it. Um, the lead who plays Danny, the main female character, um, drives this. Like, I was with her and her emotions throughout all of it. 
Peter Travers actually talks, um, when you see the film, there's a particular smile that she makes towards the end of the movie, and he referred it to Mona Lisa, and uh, or referenced it to Mona Lisa, or compared it, whatever. And uh, those of you who are Deadwood fans, I compared it more with um, the phrase in season two, what have you done? Something terribly expensive. Because she, it was, the mo- it was this beautiful, perfect moment that was oh so creepy and wonderful. Um, I, 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 I literally can't wait to see this again. Um, like Sharon said, there's really no jump scares at all. I don't no, think. No, but yeah, but I. It, 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 it's a growing tension that will once it's over. You'll feel that release, but then you'll want it all over again, kind of. And if you didn't like Hereditary, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let that stop you from seeing this movie because it's such a different movie than Hereditary. Good point. And I actually, I prefer this. I, I, I can't wait to see what he does next. I hope. Oh my god, I cannot wait. I, I hope it's not like a M Night Shyamalan thing where. Well, this is two movies down that are pretty awesome. Yeah, but so were M Night Shyamalan's first couple movies yeah, before true. all his movies started going to shit because. You know, I will say that online, I did see this referred to a lot as Wicker Man 2.0, but like, um, those of you that are familiar with, um, we're going to go with the Christopher Lee original classic Wicker Man, not the Nicolas Cage remake, but, um, I don't have a problem with that really because it, it, it is similar to a degree, but it's, it doesn't in any way I feel pull. And I just watched Wicker Man last night because I had to rewatch it to compare it to Midsummer. And uh, the first time I saw Wicker Man, I wasn't really a fan of it. Last night, I did appreciate it more. The comparisons, I think, are the fact that it's um, like a pagan yep. summer ritual yep. festival type thing in in some European small town and lots of creepy white people and yeah honestly though wicker man it's good it's not great this is i prefer this movie (laughs) i prefer this so much the um i didn't realize how many musical numbers were in wicker man like the first part of that movie seems like a musical (laughs) and the songs are not great i mean it's really not great (laughs) it's kind of corny yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go so far and say that I think that Ari Aster is an emerging master of horror. Hopefully. Honestly. Hopefully and I, keeps... I, between this and Hereditary, I, I, I cannot wait to see what he does next. I even commented a few times, I think, after we saw it. I'm a huge Ingmar Bergman fan and like smiled on a summer's night. Um, that kind of look and feel. He had that. Uh, Midsummer had that, except... Not an attempt to be fun. <laughs> a lot um, of so good movie. It, 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 it's, oh, I can't say enough about it. We're throwing out a lot of good movie recommendations, people, so write this shit down. <laughs> All right. So last movie we're going to be talking about is Annabelle Comes Home. So the beginning of The Conjuring starts with the Annabelle doll and the two college girls and the Warrens come and they take the doll with them because they cannot let this thing be out in the world. Um, I thought the first Annabelle movie was pretty much total crap. I don't think I saw it. You, you didn't miss much. Uh, the second one, Annabelle Creation, that was okay. Was that the one with the orphanage? 
Yes. It, well, because I, I yes. saw that one. Yes. And the, then you guys explained the ending because it referenced the first movie that you told me not to watch because it was bad. The or yeah, the orphans in a nun go live in this farmhouse. But, oh, and then I did see the nun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have not seen the nun yet. I that'll be. I have to watch that this um, Halloween. Um, but I, I did want to see this one because Patrick Wilson's in it, and I fucking love Patrick Wilson. Um, I will say I did not hate this movie. It's not great. It's kind of fun. Um, spoilers ahead if you have not seen this yet. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but um, if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to s- skip this part. Um, so the beginning started out pretty creepy. It starts when um, they, like I said, they pick up the Annabelle doll and they're driving back to their house. Their car breaks down, of course, in like the middle of nowhere and some like backcountry road. And they just happen to uh, stop right in front of this old cemetery. Um, and there's a pretty creepy scene there. Next, they bring the doll home. They lock it up in the case. Um, we get introduced to the Warren's daughter, Judy who we realize has her mother's gift of being able to see dead people. The little girl that played Judy I thought was great. She's she's different, I read. She's adorable. She's a great actress. Like them from the other movie, because they had a different Judy in the other oh, movie. Oh, I'm sure, because... But she was only in it for like two seconds. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I'm, I don't remember who played... I don't know why I read that. Who played that girl, but this one is um, McKenna Grace, who actually played one of the younger um, Tanya Hardings in I, Tanya. Um, so then the Warrens, they leave to go somewhere overnight, and they leave their young daughter, Judy, with this babysitter, Mary Ellen, who's, like, the perfect babysitter. She kind of reminded me a lot of Jamie Lee Curtis's character in Halloween. Mm -hmm. And then Mary Ellen's, um, friend, who's kind of a bad influence, comes over unexpectedly to snoop around the Warrens' house, and she's interested in looking for, like, creepy shit. Of course. And... We find out later that she has some ulterior motives to why she is there. Um, And then without going into too much detail, Annabelle ends up escaping from her glass box. Shit gets crazy and, like, (laughs) way over the top really fast. I mean, there was several scenes with a werewolf. (laughs) Which, I guess there was an actual story with the Warrens that involved some guy who thought he was, like, a werewolf or possessed by a werewolf. No, that was just an X-Files episode. uh, (laughs) I'm kidding, but there was an X-Files episode. Was there? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't research that story too much, but I was like, "Why is there a fucking werewolf in this like paranormal demon possession movie?" But whatever. <laughs> um, so this is kind of where the movie lost me. Needed to be toned down like a lot, and it had, you know, kind of like a happy feel good ending, which was a little sappy. Um, but I would say like my biggest complaint was that Patrick Wilson was not in it mm-hmm. as much as I was hoping he would be because. He's amazing and super hot, but whatever. Um, there was a couple of good jump scares. Most of them were predictable. It was fun. So if you're looking for like a fun summer horror movie with a couple of good jump scares, check it out. So I did do a little bit of research, though, on the real Annabelle Dowell, which oh. um, if you've never seen the real Annabelle Dowell, it's actually just um, a Raggedy Ann doll. Right, yeah. Which, if you don't know what that is, uh, you probably did not grow up in the 80s, because I think every little girl in the 80s had a Raggedy Ann doll, and honestly, probably every decade 
prior to the 80s because Raggedy Ann has been around for over 100 years, which I did not know. Wow. Um, but so according to the Warrens, the real Annabelle is inhabited by an inhuman spirit. And there really is a warning on the glass in their house, which, well, is actually now the Warrens are both dead. The museum, right? Yes. Yeah. So they, they now have a museum. Um, and it does say positively, do not open on on the uh, case. And it is said that one museum goer who ignored the warnings and taunted the doll died in a motorcycle crash shortly after being told to leave the museum. I tried to research this to see if it was true and could not find um, any evidence that it was true. So I don't know if anyone out there listening knows if this actually happened. How um, do you taunt a doll? Uh-huh. <laughs> Look at your yarn for eyes. <laughs> Where's Raggedy Andy? <laughs> that he dumped your ass. <laughs> Raggedy Andy is Raggedy Ann's boyfriend? Brother? Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't know him. Are they siblings? Or are they lovers? <laughs> I don't know. That's, for, that's another topic for another day. Uh, no, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> so, um, according to Lorraine and Ed's son-in-law, Tony Spira, who is also a paranormal investigator. The who has re- that show, I think. Oh, does he have a show now? I think, of course he does, probably. I'm out of the loop. He probably does have a show, because everyone has a show. Um, So the real-life Annabelle story began in 1970 when a 28-year-old nurse named Donna received a Raggedy Ann doll as a birthday gift from her mom. Okay, side note, who the fuck gives their (laughs) 28-year-old daughter a fucking Raggedy Ann doll as a birthday gift? Maybe she always wanted one as a kid, and just they didn't have the money or the fabric to make one and so then finally her mom that is a horrible gift for no, no, maybe that's what she wanted an adult woman okay well well sure we'll say that so <laughs> she got her dream gift <laughs> from her mother she put the doll on her bed um and began to notice it changing positions sometimes its legs would be crossed or sometimes the doll would be laying on its side for some reason i pictured yoga positions <laughs> yoga Sometimes it would be doing down for dog. Um, <laughs> sometimes it would be cat cowing. <laughs> um, or it says sometimes it would be standing on its feet. Or if you've Whoa. ever seen a raggedy and doll, that's almost impossible because it's just basically a bunch of fucking <laughs> yarn and fabric and but how terrifying stuff with cotton. Be? Yeah, that'd like, be way really terrifying. Like Raggedy Ann is like, "What's up? Sit on your bed. How are you?" Even She's standing? like, "Namaste, bitch. You want to do some yoga?" <laughs> um, yeah. So then the girl, her roommate, her roommate's friend, or no, her roommate's name is Angie, began to find parchment paper on the floor, even though they did not have parchment paper in their house, with messages written on it with things like "Help me" or "Help us." The doll began moving to different rooms on its own. Uh, if they left the doll on the couch, when they would come home later that night, it would be laying on Donna's bed with the door closed, and at one point, it appeared to be leaking blood. Ew. One day, a male friend was taking a nap at their apartment and woke up to the doll staring at him, and he felt like he was being strangled. He had deep scratch wounds on his upper body, and I've heard, I read different variations of this story. All of it seems kind of like bullshit. I'm not saying that none of this Right, right, right. You know, some of this may have happened. This part here seems really highly exaggerated to me. So, at first the girls thought maybe an intruder was moving the doll around and leaving the notes, but they ruled that out as a possibility somehow. 
And since they had no idea where else to turn, they contacted a medium and they held a seance. And the girls were introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, who was a young girl that resided on the property before the apartments were even built. Her lifeless body was found in a field at age seven, where the apartment building now stands. The spirit of the young girl told the medium that she felt comfortable with the two roommates in the apartment and wanted to stay with them. And spoiler alert. And be loved. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. Whenever a ghost says that, it's usually not true. It's usually a demon who wants to fucking take your soul. Um, So the roommates gave Annabelle permission to inhabit the doll. Who? Who? The fuck? Yeah, sure, dead little girl. Come inhabit this doll and be be our daughter. Um, But then things got worse. Duh. The Warrens took an interest in the case and contacted Donna. They came to the immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not in fact possessed, but manipulated by an inhuman presence. I'm probably going to say a demon. And according to the Warrens' website, truly the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Spirit said that the Warrens took the doll and Ed Warren told his wife they should avoid the highway because he was it was going to be a rough ride home and he was right and this is where the beginning of the movie of Annabelle Come oh, Home comes okay. into play although in the movie it was actually you know a little dramatized for um, right. for our enjoyment um, and at some point he had to sprinkle the animal doll with holy water during the ride home to calm it down and uh, now Annabelle is living in the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut, which we definitely need to visit someday, um, if for no other reason other than just out of curiosity. But, yeah, so that is the find, story of the actual Annabelle doll, and if you didn't know, now you know. I find the story to be a lot more interesting than the movies, which is odd, because you would think they would be able to make the movies better yeah. with source material like that. I mean, I don't dislike the movies. The Conjuring. I love The Conjuring. That scared the shit out of me. And The Conjuring 2, I actually also enjoyed. That is the first movie in the hundreds and hundreds of horror movies that I've ever watched where I actually screamed out loud in the theater. Really? Yeah. (laughs) The second Conjuring? The second Conjuring. I don't know what it was. I think I had too much coffee. Oh, I was thinking, because we saw Insidious 2 together. Oh, I was thinking no, no, of that, no. and I was like, when did you scream? No. Okay. No, it was literally just me and my husband, Spencer, and there was probably six other people in the entire theater, and there was the scene oh, yeah. where the, the train was coming out of like the little boy's teepee tent, and then it like turned back around, and I knew something there was going to be someone like jumping out yeah. or whatever, but there was like someone jumping out. And then there is like a noise a second a, a later. A good sound cue. A really good sound yes. cue. It was really loud and unexpected. And I did not, ex- I expected the one jump. The second one caught me off guard. I screamed out loud in the theater and my husband grabs my arm and looks at me and he's like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> he was so embarrassed and I like never <laughs> in my life had I ever fucking screamed at a movie before. But that, yeah, I'm going to blame the coffee. Um, James Wan knows what he's doing. He's not a slouch. He does. He does. Because uh, I thought those first two movies were pretty scary. But um, So that is our our summer movie discussion. And so far. So far. So far. There will be more. We might bring up some more later. Or, I think so. You know, we have so many other things that we want to talk about. And um, if you have seen any of these movies 
and you want to write in uh, your comments, your critiques. Um, if you know more about the real Annabelle or how, if you've been able to successfully fake standing raggedy and up <laughs> to make her look like she's standing up, right? Please share. If the Warrens has have ever performed an exorcism on you, we want to hear about that. Yeah. You know, I don't know anything, anything at all that you want to talk about. We would love to hear about it. And I think that's about it for today. Mindy, do you have anything else you want to say? I don't. Go see Midsummer. Oh, yeah. Go see Midsummer right now. Do it. All right. Keep whoring it up. (laughs) We're going to have to change that. (laughs) Bye. Hello. As you may notice... This sounds a lot better than what you just heard. This is because we're recording in a studio. So if you like the way this sounds, you want to hear the rest of our episodes. But anyways, I just want to say that if you have any ghost stories, scary stories, or anything else that you would love to share with us, we would love to hear it and read it on Whores Talk Horror. So you can email us at whorestalkhorror.com at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and also Facebook at Horse Talk Horror. And if you're on Twitter, you can find us at Whores Horror. Thanks for getting creepy with us. Goodbye.